Hey guys, it's Mom Taraj, the podcast about being a mom that thinks that most mom stuff is super boring. So we created our own posse. I'm Ashley. And I'm Carrie. And we are ready to walk you down the red carpet of motherhood. Oh, hello, friends who have ear holes. How are you? Hello, friends with ear holes. I'm weird. We've got a great show today. We are going to get a little serious, but I think it's important and talk about explaining addiction to your kids. Then we're asking, what's the deal with that kinetic sand bullshit? I don't even understand the name of it, let alone what it is. And as always, we have our hashtag swag bag. And up next, take it away, kiddo. The tits and the sits. Okay, so the reason why I'm doing this episode is my shits. I want to start by saying that I've lived a majority of my life keeping secrets for people and not really wanting to share stuff that was other people's business. But after 45 years of doing that, I should be able to share it with people because it's my burden as well. And I'm really tired of waiting till someone dies to then talk about it. So my dad suffers from addiction. A bunch of my uncles have suffered from addiction. Because of that, I've had lots of boyfriends who have addiction because I think I accepted it. So I allowed it to come into my life and see it is normal. And I just had a really serious issue with addiction in my life. My dad fell off the wagon and it set me on a really bad spiral. Part of the reason why I want to do this episode is because I'm trying to figure out how to explain it to my kid. Because you don't want her to make the same mistakes you have, right? Yes. And also I need to explain why we might not see him because I refuse to put her in front of it. And why you're sad and all kinds of other things. I had a huge breakdown and my kid was like, what's wrong, mommy? Are you okay? Can I make you happy? And one thing that I know from living with addicts in my specific case is that I always felt like I had to take care of them. And I noticed my my kid feeling like she had to take care of me because I was crying about an addict and it was like this weird vicious circle and so I wanted to let her know that it's okay to be sad it's not her fault she can't fix it and it's not her responsibility if mommy's a little bit of a mess I just want you to know this is why I've been trying to do some research to figure out how to talk about it on a fun note I hate play dates. Me too. I hate them. We have two and I'm like, these are bullshit. I have to hang out with someone I don't normally want to hang out with or like. My kid can't share. I have to deal with how other people parent their children, then try to navigate this one kid we are on a play date with. I said something about Luna wants to play adoption. Evidently, she just found out her sister's adopted. She started crying for like three hours. I kept trying to change the subject, make it not weird. And the parents like, just let her cry it out. Like, it's been two hours. Should I just leave? And I'm like, I don't like people. I don't like playdates. Why does my kid need a playdate? That's why she goes to school. I only want to do playdates with my friends. Playdates are overrated. At one point during this playdate, this little girl who my daughter had just met the day before and wanted a playdate the next day while we were on vacation, she goes, you're the worst best friend ever. (laughs) I was like, you just met her. Luna said this to that girl. No, the little girl goes, this is the worst playdate and you're the worst best new friend ever. And I was like, cool, we're going to leave because we're on vacation and I had plans today. You asked if we could have a play date. We're doing it. I don't want to be a part of this. And then I have to make awkward conversation with people that I don't like. And I'm like, should I have a drink? Should I not have a drink? Then you also have to feel out what kind of parent they are. Are they a parent where you can be like, hey, you want to have a glass of wine? Are they a parent that's okay with self-deprecating humor? I feel like I'm too old to have to do all this work. I was so exhausted at the end of 
that play date because you can't relax. No. My tits are, I deep cleaned my fridge. Got in with a toothbrush, reorganized shit. It's real gratifying when it's done, but it's gross while you're doing it. And I wasn't even stoned when I did it. I just did it just stone cold sober. That's one of those things that is better to do when you're stoned. I know. I did it. I was just like, I'm going to do this today. And Lee's like, ooh, you vibing? I'm like, no. He's like, whoa, that's weird. My shits are, Sebastian, when I left for school this morning, said, mama, the bathtub's dirty. You should clean it. Ew, uh, then you clean it. Exactly. I said, why are you looking at me? There's three people that live in this house. Why am I the one that you expect to clean it? Fucking clean it, Seb. Get on it. Yesterday, you didn't even want to get yourself some water, okay? On that note, we're trying to get Sebastian into this blue ribbon school and this portfolio. I know. I got to tell you, yours was all video. The amount of shit I have to do for this portfolio. He has to write an introduction, five writing samples, three math samples, three art samples, three personal samples. Why three? That's just what they want. And I have to fight with my child every single day to do his homework. And now I have to add something extra onto every single day. It has been terrible. There is no other word. I want it to be like, she doesn't poop her pants anymore. Right. Yours was like Luna singing cute shit. I had to get personal reference letters from people. This is the thing about parenting that I hate the most that I want to put in a nutshell. Basically anything to get your children ahead, whether it's a play date, whether it's getting into schools, all it is is more work on the parent. It's nothing on the kids. Grownups have so much homework. Every day is homework as a grownup. Getting out of bed is a fucking homework. Stop giving me so much fucking work work. Leave me alone. I'm just trying to live my life in peace. My tits are with my cleaned out basement. I got on my treadmill today. Yeah, girl. I did my morning emailing and got some work done. Getting back on that grind, which is a big deal for me. I've realized Melissa Gorga is my body inspiration. It used to be other people, but I am going with Melissa Gorga because she's not a stick thin girl. She's got some meat, but she's solid. I also think she's had lots of cosmetic stuff to help with that. Yeah, we'll go with it. And then also, Carrie and I were both two bitches at concerts on Saturday night. Very, very different concerts. Hers was way cooler than mine. I'm just really impressed that we were two women at concerts. Without our kids. All of a sudden, Carrie texted me and said, I just want you to know I'm at the Springsteen concert. And I was like, what? I'm at a concert too. And she said, whose concert? I said, I don't know. It was a date night for me. I just thought, wow, look at us being two cool ladies. You know what's not cool? I took my stepmom. Well, my stepmom took me, but she was in a wheelchair. She was in a wheelchair? She had knee replacement surgery recently. Oh my God. And we bought these tickets a year ago. Oh, did you get better seats because she was in a wheelchair? They were actually worse seats than the one we bought. So then I made her use her walker to go up the stairs and I had to check the wheelchair at guest service. There's a lot of running around for me. I mean, you still got to see Bruce. Right. And I got my steps in. I decided because I knew it was going to be a little bit physically demanding for me to go to the show that I was just going to dress comfy. So I wore my Bruce Springsteen t-shirt, my stretch athleta denim. I didn't try to look cool at all. What a revelation. I don't think I'll ever dress up for a concert again. I was wearing booties at my concert and my feet were fucking killing me. I was the most comfortable I've ever been in a concert. I was like, life hack. Who gives a fuck? They're there to see Bruce, not me. No one cares. True. You know what I noticed at my concert? What? The evolution of the Penny Lane is such an interesting thing nowadays. Matt knows the guy who has the label, the band was around and stuff like that. Industry. The Penny Lane chick, you can immediately recognize who she is, but they just dress so much less cute now because it's like the Gen Z version. When I was dating the metal guy, I used to see all the metal Penny Lanes hanging out and I was like, oh, this is very different. This is this big up and coming Brooklyn-y band and all I could think is, oh, so this is where we're 
we're at. It was just more of a study of human beings for me than anything else that night. Look at us doing the thing. Wearing my hokas, watching Bruce Springsteen, who looked great. He does look very good. He's vegan and he's stopping eating after five. Did he say this at the concert? No, I read an article with him and Chris Martin. He opened up his shirt and showed us his little man titties and then seductively buttoned it back up. And I was like, ooh, Bruce, you look good. <laughs> <laughs> he looks really fucking good for 70. Also, whatever Max Weinstein is having, I'll have it because he's been forever 53. At 20, he looked 53. At yes. 70, he looks 53. He got that good Conan money. He looked good. So I looked at a lot of articles, guys, because this is something I've been thinking about. The two things I specifically used are an ADF.org, which is an addiction website, and then a Huffington Post article. I mostly focused on younger kids. Obviously, you can start the same way with a younger kid as you would with an older kid. You could just probably add more info for the older kid. You may feel uncomfortable or unsure what to say or even how to start a conversation with a child about their parent or a family member's addiction. So here are some tips and resources to help you. Before you start the conversation, educate yourself so obviously you can provide accurate information. I would say that about teaching a kid about anything, whether it's reproduction or sex education, get yourself correct before you open it up because kids will ask crazy questions and you'll be stumped and you need to know. Make it age appropriate, which is a little bit hard to navigate, but we'll figure out what is age appropriate. Keep it simple but honest. Use terms they'll understand. Choose a time when the child is relaxed. I did not do that. That's a pro tip. I was like, why ruin her good relaxed time with some terrible news? <laughs> Pick a place where you won't be interrupted or overheard. Let them know the parent loves them, even if they're not always able to care for them. Parent or whoever has the addiction. Ask questions and encourage them to talk about what's happening and how they feel. Let them know you're there for them and they can come to you with questions at any time. So here are some good core messages to include in that conversation. You're not alone. Many children have parents or family members who have addictions. It's not your fault. You are not the reason why your parent or family member drinks or uses drugs or whatever the addiction is. That's a big one. Addiction can cause good people to make bad choices rather than that parent or that person or that family member is a bad person. It's okay to talk about your feelings and fears and concerns, even if you've been told not to, and ask for help. So here are some stats, and I can only imagine this has gotten worse. In 2016, a federal report found that 20 21 million Americans over the age of 12 struggle with substance addictions, over 12. In recent months, stories of celebrity overdoses and opioid epidemics have inundated the news. And in the United States, an estimated 8.7 million children under the age of 18 live with at least one parent with a substance use disorder. 8.7 million. That's a lot. The important thing is that this is a conversation that needs to start long before a child is exposed to substances in their peer groups. You can even start talking to preschoolers and younger kids and highlight some of these things. So one of the things living in an urban environment, you know, Luna was little, is we would see addicts on the street all the time. And so I started the conversation with Luna really little. She would say, what's wrong with that person? Are they sleeping? And I said, no, they took too much medicine. It's something that I never dumbed down for her. I was never like, oh, he's just sleeping. Mm -hmm. He took too much medicine. The only people that can give you medicine is mommy and daddy or grandma. You're never supposed to take it yourself. You're only supposed to take exactly what's prescribed to you, never more, even if it tastes good. I've started that conversation early. This says with toddlers or preschool kids, you can start the conversation simply by saying, hey, while I'm giving you this vitamin and it's really important to help you grow, it's also really important that you never take it by yourself. I've had to have that talk with Sebastian about my Lexapro because it's in my bedside table right next to my bed. I take it at night and I have other medicine in there. It's a little travel thing. So I have an Ambien in there. I have Xanax. I have Tylenol, all kinds of things. So I have 
have all my meds when I'm traveling. And that's exactly what it is. That's not medicine for you. So it can make you very sick. Or even gummy vitamins. I'm like, I know it tastes really good, Mm -hmm. but it's not candy. It's medicine. So even though it's good for you, too much of it can actually be bad for you. One time I had to go to the emergency room for twisting my ankle or something. And there was a little boy who had taken too many Flintstone vitamins. He was running around, kicking at the air, punching at the air. And his mom was like, what are you doing? He said, I'm fighting the men. I see the men. To this day, my mom says that he was just playing pretend. But what I took from this was that the kid ate a whole bottle of Flintstone vitamins and was seeing ninjas attacking him. Oh my God. It was pretty funny. I mean, I don't encourage you to give your children a whole (laughs) bottle of Flintstone vitamins, but it was a funny little thing to say. So using a metaphor can help explain the concept of addiction or drug abuse to young kids. So Sovac offered the example of a plate of cookies on the table. For some people, they can take one cookie and be okay, but some people might take the whole plate of cookies because they can't stop themselves. And afterwards, when they've eaten that whole plate of cookies, they don't feel well. That's a good one. That's a really good one, I think. When people try to hide things from kids, kids always know there's something going on. And if we don't validate that information or explain what addiction looks like in person, family, or community, we are really doing them a disservice in their own personal development. I read somewhere that when a parent is obviously feeling something emotionally and they say something that's contrary to that. Like, oh, I'm fine. Right. In young children, cognitively, it teaches them to dissociate their natural understanding of what emotion is. It basically goes back to the conversations we've had about social cues. Right. So same thing here. I said, mommy's okay. Nothing's wrong with me. I'm just very sad. I just got some really upsetting news and I'm really upset. Grandpa is sick. I don't think he's going to die because she already had a grandparent die. She's seen a lot of death. I'll talk to you more about it later, but mommy just needs a little space to be really sad. Because it was happening when I was with her, I couldn't not be with her because I'm her parent. Yeah. I really wanted to have a major breakdown and I needed to have a major breakdown, but I also had to be a good parent because I didn't want to do to her what my dad had done to me. It was a lot to take in. I just have never had to deal with this and have a kid at the same time. I've always had to deal with it without a kid, which was hard enough, but then this added this extra meta level. Okay. Scaring kids doesn't really work. It may work in the beginning when they're really little, but once they see someone who has used and didn't go to jail or didn't die, you lose complete credibility as a parent. So don't lie and make it worse. Hmm. It is important to emphasize that if someone is addicted, it doesn't make them a bad person. It means they're sick. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. This is a psychologist provost whose agency works to combat the stigma of addiction as a moral failing or a character flaw. Addiction might seem like an overwhelming topic for young children. You can let them direct much of the conversation. If they have questions, they'll ask you. And Luna's questions is, is he going to die? And I think that has so much to do with she's had so many people in her life die. So what did you say in that situation? I said, I don't think so, but he's taking too much medicine and if he doesn't stop, he could die and he's been lying and that's really upsetting. It's not good to lie to your family. Yeah. I feel like that answer ticks off all the boxes. I gave that answer before reading this. So I was very proud of myself. I was like, oh, look at me. You answered to the best of your knowledge and were still as reassuring as humanly possible. Because then the rest of her questions were about me. What were they? She was like, are you going to stop crying? And I said, yeah, but you know, mommy was surprised. When you're surprised, it can really affect you. Mommy's really sad and she's probably going to need to get even sadder than this. But we are out and I'm going to wait till you can be with daddy so that you don't have to worry about mommy being sad. And then I just kept reiterating, it's not your job to make me happy. And sometimes people just have to be sad. Nothing they can do about it. But mommy will be better and it'll be fine. I'm not dealing with this issue that you're dealing with, but Sebastian has absolutely seen me sad. And I always try and say the same thing, saying it's not your job 
to make me not sad goes beyond a conversation about addiction. Oh, yes. It's an important one. And I think it's even important when your child is the reason you're sad. When I'm fighting with Sebastian over something and I'm upset, I still try to tell him because something I work on is being responsible for other people's feelings. I try and sit there and tell him, it's not your job to make me happy. Right. That's not your job. The talk of feelings with Luna has been a big one because she's a volatile feeler like I am. When she feels happy, she feels real happy. When she feels sad, she feels real sad and they come quick. Yeah. I think something that you and I both have dealt with as adults is that we really did feel like we were in charge of people's happiness as kids. Or helping people be happy. Even if it wasn't something we did, it was, I see you're unhappy and I just want to make you feel better. And I still catch myself doing that. Of course. With everybody in my life. This woman, Erica Hoffmeyer, a therapist and clinical director at the Five Residential Treatment Center in Los Angeles said, you don't have to start out telling them the elaborate details of the disease or the addiction. You can start really simply. Let them know the deal. Say, I'm here. And if you make a mistake, you can still come talk to me. I will always listen. And then let them do the talking. I'm sure every person listening has someone in their life that has been touched by addiction in some way. I think that's something that's been really hard for me as a child who grew up with addiction all around me is separating bad people from a sickness. Now, just because it is a sickness doesn't mean that they can't also be assholes. <laughs> Part of what I'm reckoning with is the empathy that I feel because of a sickness and then also people who continually make bad choices and it affects other people and they know that it's affecting other people. And it can be a mix of a lot of things. I think the most important thing for a kid to realize is that this issue is all around us and that they need to be able to talk about it and not feel afraid to talk about it and that it's not black and white. They need to feel safe and that parents need to make decisions for their kids that keep them safe. I don't know. I'm going through a lot of feelings, so it's very hard for me. That's why we're doing a whole segment on how to talk to your kids about it, because this isn't something that everyone deals with. It's not like learning how to cross the street. It's okay to not have all those answers. Yeah. And it's okay to struggle with the feelings. I think that's one of the things that Momtourage always strives to do in general, and it's hard for you and I when we're going through it to remember it, but life can be messy and life can be complicated and it can be scary and hard. We never want to hide those things from our children. We may be don't want to expose them to the fullness of it, but we don't want to hide it because we always feel like that's a disservice to our kids. Yeah, I felt a lot of shame as a kid and a lot of the burden of keeping other people's secrets, which is part of the reason why, although it's not my secret to tell really, I'm blowing open this with my family. Even that I think you've done in a nice way. You haven't said what it is. You've just said that it's an issue. And as a child of someone who has it, there is the burden of the secret and it affects the children. I'm sure. I just don't want to be burdened by it anymore. Anymore. It does me a disservice and it does my family a disservice. But I think the other thing is that I had it all around me from all areas, aunts and uncles and parents. I had it everywhere and I turned out great. And you have a choice. You can use it as an excuse or you can use it as a way to make you more extraordinary. Yep. A lot of people can use it as an excuse. I had this terrible situation and so I have the right to be this way. Or you could say, I had this kind of terrible situation and I use it as a jumping off point to be better and to help others. And that's what I have chosen to do. But I feel for everybody that is out there dealing with this, it's bad enough that I had to deal with it myself and have been in 30 plus years of therapy. But then to have to dole out those same things to my kid is a really hard pill to swallow. Yeah, This is a takeaway I've learned in parenting, a hot tip from parenting for four years. And being one of the hosts of a mom podcast where we really do do a lot of research, and it does reflect what some of the things in this article say, which is allow your kid to talk. Because I think 
sometimes we have an idea. I'm like, oh, I have to tell Luna about addiction. Okay, so I'm going to do this, 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 and then we're just going to be done. Leave space for the kid to talk because you'll be surprised at what fucking shit comes out of their mouth, what they're worried about, what their main concern is. It's not always the thing that you think it is. This is a little bit off topic, but I remember one time I had a cousin. We kept calling her a comedian. You're such a comedian. And then one day I just looked at her face when we said it, and it didn't look great. She was three. I said, Kenzie. She was three? She was three or four. And I looked back and I said, Kenzie, do you know what a comedian means? And she goes, a very bad person. Aww. All this time, she thought everyone in her life was calling her a comedian, that she was being called a bad person. Poor baby. No one had thought to ask her if she knew what a comedian meant. And I just think that stuck with me. I now check in with Luna and ask her questions and let her talk because so much of the time, the thing I think she's going to be worried about is not the thing that she's worried about. Yeah. She was less concerned about the actual addiction issue than she was about how it was making me feel. Ask your kids questions and leave space for them to talk. They will tell you what you need to address with them. Yeah. Okay, now we have to move on because I'm a semi-crying, shaking mess. Okay, let's go. What's the deal with kinetic sand? So first we're going to tell you what the fuck it is because I didn't really even know. How does it work? I feel like it's a new toy. We didn't have kinetic sand in the 80s. I would say it came about in the last five-ish years. Store-bought kinetic sand because you can make your own. I'll never do that. Nope. Is made from fine sand and a word that I'm going to butcher. Polydimethylsilicane. Also called dimethicone. It's an unusual substance in its viscosity because it increases under stress. You can form it into fun shapes and slice it. However, it's not the cheapest thing to buy. So kinetic stand stays together, allowing you to easily mold and create shapes. Kinetic means togetherness due to movement and energy. Oh, I know that from my dance training, bitches! And is used to describe kinetic sand because unlike the sand at the beach, kinetic sand sticks together when force is applied to it. In case you've ever wondered late at night, what happens if kinetic sand gets wet? We've all wondered it as toddler parents because it has absolutely gotten wet. Simply spread it out on a flat surface to dry and then it's going to return to its original state. But you don't have to tell your kids that if you're like me and you're like, oh no, now we have to throw it out. Just throw it out. Use it as an excuse. Mm -hmm, It's fine. While kinetic sand won't poison a person if they eat it, it does pose a choking hazard if large amounts are eaten and it can cause constipation. Warning, kinetic sand is very dangerous if pets eat it. Pros, it's easily moldable. It's colorful. It doesn't stick to hands too much. I actually disagree with that statement. Cons, it is everywhere all the time. It's everything everywhere Everywhere, all at once. It sticks to carpeting. We have area rugs under our tables and if you don't pick it up immediately it is impossible to get out. Yeah, your vacuum's not getting that shit out. No, it doesn't. And even a brush. It's terrible. Uh -uh. Now that we know what it is, how do we feel about it? I fucking hate it. I refuse to buy it for my child when people gift it to him. You know how I talk about I want to sue people for defamation? Yes. I want to sue people when they give it to my son. I hate kinetic sand. Probably more than I hate any toy under the sun. I hate Play-Doh more. Oh no. I'll take Play-Doh over kinetic sand any day. We just had a Play-Doh nightmare last night where red Play-Doh got in Luna's dress-up shoes. We didn't realize that it has stained our carpet with bright red stains. Non-washable carpets are so much nicer. Washable carpets just make so much more sense when you have children or pets. That red dye does not come out. I think even if it was a washable carpet. But still. Better chances, right. Okay, so at first I kind of liked kinetic sand when I didn't have a kid because I had friends 
that had kids and they would bring it to lunch. Oh, that's a terrible thing to take out in public. Who brings kinetic sand to a lunch date? I think that's as fucked up as going to a restaurant with one of those kids that throws their food all over the floor and not picking it up. I had to pick up the kinetic sand on that lunch date. That's really fucked up. It's really fucked up. It's called common decency. She knows what happens. You don't have to wait a table at some point in your life to know you don't leave shit on the floor. But what I also love about her, she brings it out. She's like, isn't this stuff great? There's a weird dumbness. I think it's privilege. You think? I gotta tell you, that is such a dumb, selfish move. (laughs) I actually worry about her crossing the street by herself. (laughs) This is really the essence of what's the deal about just shitting on people. Shitting on whatever the what the deal is about. And then all the tangents. I bought Sebastian one of those Ikea kids tables for the backyard because I don't like Play-Doh that much either, but I'll take it over kinetic sand. But I thought, oh, in the summer, it's great. He can sit at that table out in the backyard, play with all of his fucking Play-Doh, and I can just hose it off and I'm done. But the thing is, the kinetic sand, you can't even hose that shit off the concrete and it goes into the grass. It just stays there. Also, what is it doing for the environment? It's got to be a forever chemical or something. I don't think Play-Doh is much better, but at least Play-Doh, if I use my hose, it comes off the concrete. The kinetic sand does not. You know, you're probably killing so many birds doing that. They're eating it. They're like, mmm, delicious. Okay, what the fuck do you want me to do about it? <laughs> I don't know. Let's ban it. I'm game for that. Yes, let's ban it. You want me to start making my own Play-Doh? It ain't happening, okay? I don't even know if that's good. But at first, I liked it because I was like, I'm a fidgety person. This is kind of sensory and nice. And after the kids, I was like, this is the fucking devil. This is the worst. You find it everywhere. It'll get in between your toes. And you're like, what is this fine grit? Fucking purple kinetic sand for Jesus Christ. Why is it always purple? There's so many colors, but it's always purple. Give me a nice flesh-colored kinetic sand. I want to see that. I said kinetic sand's been around for five years. I think I'm wrong. I have not done the research on this. I'm pretty sure kinetic sand is one of those things that they first had at Brookstone or like Hamaker Schlamaker. What's the other one? Sharper image. Sharper image. I'm almost positive kinetic sand was one of the things at one of those stores first. I vaguely remember that in the South Street Seaport, the sharper image there. Oh God. I vaguely remember being 13 and playing with something like a kinetic sand at that sharper image. And I think some asshole was like, let's buy it and sell it to kids. Asshole slash genius. Do you ever get it in your pocket and then you wash your jeans? Can't ever put it in your pocket and wash your jeans. No. I have. Terrible. Is it stuck forever? It dries and then it reforms and you put it back in your hand. You can never get that fucking gritty sand out of your pocket. I'm just so annoyed. Also, something about it makes me want to chew it. Um, That's weird. Like gritty gum. It is like gritty gum. I was going to say gritty string cheese. Yeah. Like maybe it would polish my teeth. I don't know. Disclaimer. Mom Montrage is in no way encouraging you to eat kinetic sand. I can't be clear enough about that. It gives me the same sheevy feeling as when I see matte nail polish. Oh, you don't like matte nail polish? Yeah, I hate that. Really? Yeah, I hate it. Huh. I like gloss on everything. Also, I keep throwing it away. I keep getting more of it. Who's giving it to her? I throw it out every time. This is my question. And this is, again, why I say I'm going to sue people. Two things. If you ever give me, I'm fucking suing you so hard. One, an elf on the shelf. shelf. Get the fuck out of here with that business. I don't want it. I swear to God, I will be karma in some way. When you have a child, I'm going to gift them a razor blade or something. (laughs) Something horrible. Do not give me an elf on the shelf. I don't need any more responsibility during the holidays. Secondly, do not give me kinetic sand. I don't know how I keep getting kinetic sand in this house. Have you ever tried mixed colors? No, because you can't even mix it. I'm so Virgo and type A. I don't think words can express how angry I am when Play-Doh gets mixed together 
together. I hate it. I make it a point. If Play-Doh gets mixed together, I need it so that it's one color. Some nasty gray. Yes. I know. I finally had to just let go and let God. Luna was just like, my mom hates me. It's kind of like when you have a play kitchen, when your kids are really little. At first, you're like, I'm going to put the cheese in the fridge area and this and that. And then after a while, you're like, this kid wrecks this shit every day. I can't even do this with my real fridge. There's no way I'm doing this with this play kitchen every day. One time I got into a fight. Luna was playing mom and she was taking care of her baby and she took the baby's bottle out and it wasn't in the fridge. I was like, did you not refrigerate your baby's bottle? And she goes, no. And I was like, milk goes bad. You're going to poison your baby. I was like, you're a terrible mother. No, I didn't say that, but that's what I was thinking. Anyway, I hate you, Kinetic Sand. We want to hear what you think about Kinetic Sand. Can you send us a Kinetic Sand nightmare? We'd love to read those out loud. Oh, God. Hashtag swag bag. When I was in Puerto Rico, there's this little store that we really like. And they were selling all these little bags. They were waterproof bags in cool colors, Tyvek material or whatever it's called. And they had bags of various shapes and fanny packs and whatever. It is the most eco-friendly way to carry your shampoo and conditioner. Because I put them in Ziploc bags and then I reuse them. These are little pouches that are water resistant. So you could take them in the ocean and your shit won't get wet. I got a fanny pack. I got a bunch of bags. Luna got sand and shit in it. I hosed it down, dried it off. They're so cute. And I'm always looking for something I can put my toiletries and stuff in. I bought a bunch and I love them. Is it basically a wet bag? Yeah, it's like a stylish wet bag. But you can also use them as packing cubes. They make a fanny pack. I don't know why I would ever do this, but just for the purpose of this question, if I put my phone in one of these and went into the ocean, it's not like I would expect my phone to come out dry. No, no, no. But if you wanted to put your phone in there while you're at the beach so that sand and other shit didn't get in it, you're good. I got the fanny pack because I had brought my Kibu bag, which I love, but it's not really like a wet bag. I went kayaking and shit splashed all over it. Mm, I get it. I mean, I didn't go underwater with it. I did put my phone and shit and then went kayaking on the water. The fanny bag is really cute. They're all really cute. I got a bunch of them. Luna got a little fanny pack because she wanted to copy me wearing a fanny pack, which is really cute. Aloha bags. They're super cute. I love that. Mine is my treadmill, which I got on Amazon. Back in the day, you couldn't just buy a fucking treadmill off of Amazon and have it delivered. You had to go to like that store that sells fitness equipment. And then they had to organize all that stuff. It was always over a grand. Now you can just order this off of Amazon for $699 and you done, you know? I think I may have paid $599 instead of the $699. It's a very good treadmill. A lot of the treadmills they sell on Amazon, you have to manually elevate it. This you don't. It's a button. It lifts and goes down while we're not using it. The tread part is up. It is just so easy, so great. It does tell you that you have to do a Nordic track, basically like the Peloton subscription. You do not. There is a way to bypass it. Don't worry about it. I really recommend it. Make it easy on yourself. Set up a TV. I put literally a piece of old drywall over the arms and I make it a working desk so that I'm getting my stuff in. But yeah, that's in our Amazon storefront. So if you're looking for a treadmill, highly recommend it. All right, guys. Have a great week. Bye. Bye. Okay, that's our show today, folks. Thank you so much for giving us a listen. Please do not forget to rate, review, and subscribe or follow. We are out here on our own and these things really, really matter. We want to hear from you. Tell us what you want to hear. Email us at hello at momtouragepodcast.com. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok, all at Momtourage Podcast to hang out with us all week long. We are here for you. You are not alone. We got you. 
So go ahead, girl. Know this posse is behind you and go slay. Momtourage is a Cafe Mom podcast written and produced by Ashley Heron-Smith and Carrie Sotero. Recorded and mixed by Lee Mars. Our theme song, MILF, is by the band Mama Drama. You can find them on Instagram at mamadramaband or mamadramaband.com. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.